Good morning, everyone. I am Kate Kiefer, Marketing Coordinator in the Allen DeKalb Agency, and I am with Jonathan Meeks this morning. Um, he is a claims adjuster in District 4. So welcome, everyone. Um, welcome, Jonathan. Um, Jonathan, why don't you tell me a little bit um, about yourself, um, your position with the company, and maybe a little bit about your family? Okay. Yep. So my name's Jonathan Meeks. Um, I started with the company as an intern in 2015. Um, I left after my internship, but however, I'm now back working as a claim adjuster in District 4. Um, I have a two-year-old, actually, he's three now, a three-year-old son. So life can be a little hectic uh, with work <laughs> and trying to raise him the right way. <laughs> All right. So you said you started um you started in 2015 as an intern. So you left for a while and then you came back? Yes, I came back in 2017 um okay. to work as an office claim rep and I've been here ever since going into my fifth year. Okay. Awesome. Well, mm -hmm. congrats. Thanks. <laughs> Glad you came back. <laughs> um how did you end up at um Farm Bureau, where you were, did you come, was you, were you referred through a school or did you know someone at Farm Bureau already? So um, the first time in 2015, I came through my school. So Farm Bureau had a heavy, or heavy influence at Indiana State University. There was always someone there from Farm Bureau doing some type of recruiting. Um, so there I met like Rick Ainsworth and I believe Tiffany had it. And they told me about the different type of internships they had available. Um, so I applied and got accepted and just took advantage of it for the summer. Um, it was great. I learned a lot. I worked in the life contracting side. I did a lot with compliance and independent agent contracting. It was a really good experience. Um, and then after that, there were no full-time positions available um, and I had an offer already accepted to be an underwriter at a different company. But then eventually um, there were positions available at Farm Bureau and a recruiter me, and here I am. <laughs> awesome. Well, yay for us. <laughs> so um, going into your fifth year with the company, um, what's your experience been like with us so far? Yeah, so my fifth year, it's definitely had its highs and lows. Um, I've been promoted a couple of times. So I started off as an office claims rep. I'm now a field claims rep, so I handle more complex claims. I've definitely worked on several different projects with the company. I've worked on automating some processes within the claims department. Um, currently, I'm working on a pilot for the auto out-of-state program where I handle all the out-of-state claims where our insurance drive to another state. And unfortunately, unfortunately, they become involved in an accident. So that's something that we're, we're currently working on. As far as lows, I mean, I haven't really experienced too many lows. Every now and again, you get burned out just going through the day-to-day -day motions. It can be a lot, but that's what vacation and PTO is for. <laughs> right. <laughs> so how has it been kind of working through um, COVID as a claims rep? So working through COVID as a claims rep, at first it was really great. 
um, <laughs> because it was very slow. <laughs> there were days when you maybe get like one claim a day, um, two at most. When the pandemic first started, um, now things are just hectic. Everyone's back on the road. People are driving a lot faster, a lot crazier than they previously were. So now everything's <laughs> just hectic. The claim volume is high. Demand for everything is high. Parts are not available due to the pandemic. So what a repair that usually would take a week now could end up taking a month. So right now, things in the auto industry, it's just horrible due to the pandemic. And it's just causing a ruckus all over. Yeah, we're definitely feeling that in the field, too. I mean, usually, you know, the 30 day thing for sure, because we get people calling back all the time wanting to extend their rental coverage. So that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So kind of switching gears a little bit, but sort of about the pandemic, you know, how did the pandemic and kind of social unrest of 2020 um, impact you? Yes. So I'll say the pandemic and social um, unrest of 2020 definitely affected me. I would say like on a mental and physical level, like it was just a lot to process, especially with the pandemic being stuck in the house, not being able to do the things that you usually do, see your family. I mean, that takes a toll on you mentally. And I personally, with the social unrest and handling claims, I, there were times when I felt uncomfortable going to certain areas um, just due to everything that was going on, especially I would get a claim there every now and again in a smaller town. And even parts of Indianapolis, like on the south side of Indianapolis, I would go to someone's home to do an inspection and you'd see like Confederate flags all over or just memorabilia that makes someone that looks like me feel completely uncomfortable. Like, why am I here? Do I need to bring someone with me to complete this inspection? Um, yeah. But yeah, all the rioting and the pandemic, it, it just wasn't fun. It wasn't a good experience at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of um, protesting going on in our area as well. And some of it um, got a little violent, you know, with people um, breaking windows and, you know, mm -hmm. um, rushing into businesses, you know, and things of that nature. And we, we live real close to downtown and um, there was a lot of that going on in the beginning, but thankfully it slowed down after a couple of weeks. Yeah. See, I'm in um, the suburb of Indy. So all of that really took place in downtown Indianapolis. So I didn't as much see it unless I drove through downtown just to see the aftermath. But yeah, it, it was horrible was not a good experience at all. It got to the point where I didn't want to watch the news because all it talked about was the pandemic and the social unrest. Granted, it is something that needed to be addressed. But like I said, when you see it every day, hear it every day, it affects you mentally. Yeah, same. I was 
totally stuck on the news in the beginning for the first couple of weeks, but it's really draining <laughs> mentally. I think there was like a week period there where I was just like, I can't, I can't do it mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> yep, it was, that, that was me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that hundred <laughs> percent. So during that time and maybe even outside of that, um, how do you think your race has affected you in your career as a field claims rep? So definitely, um, I think my race has affected me just because I don't feel safe going to some areas as a field claim rep. Um, Mm -hmm. Like in those smaller towns, the percentage of people that look like me is probably like zero one. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just would prefer to stay in Marion County. I mean, it's sad to say, but it's honestly just how I feel. Um, but other than that, as far as doing like desk adjusting, fine with that, but working in the field, there are certain areas I just don't want to do inspections in. I'd rather stay in Indianapolis or the surrounding areas of Indianapolis. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, did you have any bad experiences during that time? I wouldn't say I really had any bad experiences. I just recall going into a couple houses and it's like Confederate memorabilia all over. Um, just other things that just made me feel completely uncomfortable. Just seeing it there. Granted, the people were nice. They never made any out of pocket comments or anything like that to me, but it's just the fact that I'm in your home and I'm seeing what you have and knowing how you feel and what you may or may not think of me, it just kind of made me feel some type of way. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Um, yeah. I can't even imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's yeah. like, had it not been a claim, I would not be welcome in your house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I'm glad they didn't anything to you i'm not can't even imagine being in that situation or how you would handle that but i'm glad glad nothing crazy happened thank you (laughs) me too yeah Yeah, absolutely so i don't know have you watched any of the um power hours that we've been doing as an ind council i think i watched the very first one okay um Mm -hmm. So this last one, so I actually missed the first one. I was on the second one. Um, but this <laughs> last one, um, Tiffany Hansen, she does a great job, but she spoke about um, microaggressions. Um, and do you have you ever experienced microaggressions in your career or um, at school or just in life? In my career, recently there, well, it was last year. There was an employee that made a comment that I found to be offensive about my hair. Um, and I'm just was like, don't make comments about my appearance to me. Anything that you say to me, you need to just keep it professional. Um, and I found that to be a little weird. That was the only time I've really experienced something in the work environment. Um, as far as like a social environment, I can think of a time I was probably like 12 or 13. I was going to the fair with my brother and some of our friends 
and we were just walking towards the gate and then all of a sudden there was like a really loud noise no one knew what it was or where it came from so we're walking towards the gate along with hundreds of other people just walking to the gate to get into the fair and there's a cop and he just stopped us out of everyone and he's like if I find out you guys did something wrong, you're going to be in trouble. And we were all confused. Like, what did we do? Um, we're yeah. just walking to get into the fair, just like everyone else. And eventually, like someone radioed down to him saying, oh, the noise came from some auto shop on the corner. Um, everything's OK. And he's like, oh, you guys are lucky. And we we were just confused, like, what happened? Did that really just happen? That's sad. Did you mention school also? I think I... Yeah, I school think. or just, I mean, even, you know, life in general, just being out and about. I don't think I really experienced anything in school. Um, just definitely social. Nothing really in school. Uh, my school was very diverse. I went to Indiana State University um, for college, and then I was in Pike Township for high school. So it was pretty diverse. We didn't really have a lot of race issues. Um, and if so, no one really talked about it. So it was something that wasn't brought up a lot. Mm -hmm. Is that something that um, you talked about when you were younger as a family? As a family, I do remember having conversations with, like, my grandparents um, telling us how things were when they were coming up. Uh, my family, they were from Cairo, Illinois, and they lived in Indiana, but every now and again, they would take trips back to Cairo, Indi or Cairo Illinois. So apparently back then they had, there were only places that were safe for African Americans to stop. So when they would travel, they would pack coolers with food and then they would have it mapped out. Okay, we can stop here to get gas or if we want to eat, we can stop here um, to eat because we shouldn't have any issues. Um, as far as with my parents I, we never really had any conversations um as far as race or how to interact with police or anything like that it just wasn't something that we talked about mm -hmm. so now you know now that you are a parent um you know and you have your son do you think you will have those types of conversations or what will that absolutely Absolutely. So now that I have a, a child and and I continue to see what I see on a daily basis, every time you look up, there's someone killed at the hands of a cop. Um, and it's constantly all over the news. I'm definitely going to be having those conversations with my child. Um, I want to teach them right from wrong. Let them know, don't put yourself in a situation that could end up with that type of outcome, um, especially with you being an African-American male, you're more susceptible to becoming a victim. So I just want to teach him what is right and let him know um, how to handle and conduct himself 
in any type of situation that he may be put in where his life could be at risk. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's sad, but I think you have to be honest, you know, um, mm-hmm. about how you have to interact, you know, so I think I, I mean, it's important, but uh, I guess just bringing awareness to it. I, I was listening to a um, podcast this morning, actually, and I was talking about, you know, the social unrest, um, during the pandemic and how there was a, a lot of, you know, light around it and it was in the news constantly, you know, and things like that. But recently, I mean, it, it's almost like it's um, faded away. Like people aren't, you know, talking about it as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you feel that way too, but that was just kind of what they were talking about on this podcast this morning. I've kind of noticed that. Um it's starting to fade away. I don't know if it's because it depends on, I guess, the, I see the, the, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, the, the surface or when I'm looking on the news or something, I don't notice it as much. Um, but maybe if I'm on social media, I see it a lot more like on my Instagram. I don't know if it's just because of the people I follow. There are a lot of activists that I follow, such as Tamika Mallory, um, attorney Ben Crump, and I'm constantly seeing their post and their fight for social justice. So I see it a lot on different social media platforms, but not as much on news platforms right now at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I've noticed that too. And I'm sure it does make a difference on who you're following mm-hmm. for sure. But, you know, even during, you know, the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, there were a lot of part of what they were talking about this morning was, you know, there were a lot of books, you know, that hit the bestseller list, you know, um, that were about racism or, you know, systemic racism and things like that. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, today, some of those books are even being banned, which I don't, really understand <laughs> yeah um, I feel like I was reading something about a school in Texas where they were pulling the black authors books from the library yes, um, yeah it was something to that effect I just read it the other day and I can't remember exactly what it was about but it, it was a black author and and I guess the illustrator that did all the illustrations was black as well, but now they're pulling all of his books from that library. Mm-hmm. Yep. This was mentioned. Yeah. That, that specific scenario was mentioned on that podcast this morning. And there was a, I don't know if it was a school teacher um, that was also an author, but he had been hired, you know, into the school system in Texas um, right before um, the pandemic. And then after all of that, he actually ended up, losing his job, um, which was oh, really no. unfortunate. And kind of the same thing was happening in that school. They were even pulling, you know, children's books um, from yeah. the library as well. And it was just really sad. I don't really, I don't really understand that. Not cool at all. Yeah. Um, so I know Black History Month is coming up. Um, what, what does that mean to you? Um, personally, Black History Month means a lot to me. Um, 
I feel like it's a time to shine a light on the people who paved the way for us, um, the people that fought for me to do what I'm doing now. Um, African-Americans, they came to this country as slaves. So when I think of Black History Month, I'm reminded of what it means to be an African-American. You know, if they if the people before me hadn't done what they've done, who knows what I'd be doing now? So it's a time to give thanks and recognize those individuals who fought for our civil rights and for us to no longer be oppressed. Um, that's my take on Black History Month. It's, it's just to give thanks and recognize those individuals. Do you feel like um, a lot of African-American people feel that same way in regards to Black History Month? I would hope so. Um, but everyone has their different opinion. I would hope that everyone realizes what it is that the people before them had to overcome, not just black people, but people in general. Like, again, we were brought here as slaves. Had people not have fought for our rights and to fight against segregation, I mean, this country could still be segregated. We, I could still be drinking from a water fountain that says black only or going to a school that says black only. I, there could be a chance that I do not have the position at this company that I have. Um, it took people to stand up and fight for what, it, for what was right. People lost their lives, um, for me to have a better life. And I feel like black people should realize that and learn from this month and uh, do some research and see who it is that they can recognize. I know most people only think about Black History Month. They associate it with Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, people like that. But there are so many other people that are overlooked. Um, so I encourage them to do research, um, find out about other people who helped pave the way so that we all can have a better life. So I think like what in regards to what you're talking about, I mean, there's there's progress that's been made, but I think there's still a lot of progress that needs to happen. Um, how do you feel about that? I agree. There's still a lot of progress that needs to happen. Um, you see a lot of systemic racism. People say it doesn't exist. It does. Um, I feel like we see it all the time. You hear on the news where someone appraise a house that belongs a black person, that belongs to a black person, and then they'll lowball it. And then they'll whitewash the house. They'll remove all their items that associate it with um, them being African-American. And then they'll have one of their white friends come in and sit with the appraiser. And then the next thing you know, the value of the house triples. Um, yeah, I'm, there, there's a lot that can be done, especially as far as every time you look up, there's an unarmed black person being gunned down by a cop. Um, I feel like our judicial system also needs to be reformed. I feel like sentences, sentencings are unfair. When it comes to African-Americans, um, you'll see 
an African-American get life for a drug charge when someone else gets like five years for rape. And it's like, really? Okay, what's going on? So there's a lot that still needs to be done. And I'm glad that we do still have people fighting for those changes to um, happen. Absolutely. Um, Is there anything that you do um, personally kind of in that fight? So me personally, I definitely do a lot of research. Um, I've been to a couple protests um, downtown just to so that I'm present in the moment. Um, I know that in order to get changed, something has to be done. So if I need to go out there and protest, I, I'll do it as long as it's not going to turn violent. Um, but I've had definitely been to protests. I've sat in on uh, board meetings in our area. So, yeah, I definitely do what I can within my scope. That's great. That's awesome. Um, I think one thing that, and I don't know if it's our next power hour, I think I read that it was going to be um, in regards to allyship. Um, you know, if there's, you know, um, a white person, you know, that wants to be an ally, um, how, I guess, how would you tell them to be a good ally? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like there are several white people that are allies and they fight for what is right. Um, and I would just tell them to be supportive, um, the best way that they know how to be. And yeah, just offer support, um, emotional support. I, um, I think sometimes, you know, it's hard to know if you're, you know, doing the right thing or the wrong thing or, you know, saying the right thing. And so I think people, you know, they have a lot of questions, um, surrounding that, you know, and what the right thing is to do. I don't know that there's really a right or wrong, but (laughs) you don't want to. Right. I feel like if you're truly an ally, just ask questions. Um, Hey, how do you feel about this? Like, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I feel like just ask questions. I, I know if I feel that you're truly an ally and you're truly wanting to help, I'll never be offended by anything that you say or do, as long as I feel like it's not a personal attack. Now, if I know that you're personally being spiteful, it's a different story. But if you're truly an ally and you want to help, just ask questions, um, be yourself, and yeah. everything will work out. Yeah, I think there's a lot of education that needs mm-hmm. to happen, like you're saying. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, no problem. So in regards to Farm Bureau and, you know, some of the IND efforts, um, what are your hopes for the Inclusion and Diversity Council or what IND looks like, you know, in the future of Farm Bureau? Yeah, so I hope that the council can help to bring the company to a place where everyone feels welcome, no matter what their background is. Um, for the most part, I feel the environment is inclusive for all. However, certain parts of the company do lack diversity 
in some departments, I feel that you notice what could be considered environmental microaggression. And then it kind of makes you feel some type of way. It's like you can count on one hand how many people look like you and you just want to know yeah. where's the diversity. Um, yeah. And it just makes you feel like what, what can we do to continue to diversify the company? Um, so that you don't have a feeling or so that you're not questioning yourself asking, do I belong here? Um, yeah, I think diversity to, I hope the council can just continue to help diversify the company so that when I go to department meetings or like we have an annual claims conference, I, w- I would love to see more people that look like me. It'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have any thoughts on how we do that? Thoughts or ideas on how we do that as a council or as a company? I would say um, definitely utilize, we could probably utilize social media platforms, um, maybe try to attract new hires from HBCUs. Um, I know there are some with insurance and risk management programs out there. And those students could potentially love an opportunity to work for our company um, right out of college. Um, maybe attend different events held within the city um, that are centered around African Americans or not just African Americans, any anyone or any ethnic group, just so that we can see diversity within the company um, just to help change the face of the company so that more people Mm -hmm. feel welcome. Yep. Agreed. We are, we are trying to do some of that as a council. Um, COVID has made that slightly difficult. Hopefully we'll make more. Yeah. I can definitely see that in the community. Yeah. (laughs) I can definitely see that. And that would probably help like attract new business as well. Like if customers see people that look like them at the company, they'll they'd be more willing to bring their business to the company. Yes. Yep. Agreed. One hundred percent. Um, is there anything else that you think we can do as a company to make it a more inclusive environment. I know, I mean, I know you're working remotely right now, so you're not um, (laughs) in home office or in the county office as much, but, you know, for those of us that are, is there anything that you see internally um, that we could do differently? Um, I think that we, the company could form like different committees. Um, Like I know, other companies had committees. They had um, like African American Alliance, or where you get together just and mingle with your different um, coworkers. They had like an LBGQ or LBGQT um, group as well, where you could get together with people in the company and just mingle. Um, and you didn't have to be like a part of that, you like anyone could join just to meet people with the company um, and just hear their stories and learn their background and learn from them because there is a lot that we can learn from 
other people and their experiences. Mm -hmm. So maybe just starting up different type of like committees for the employees so that they feel like they have other people that they can relate to while at work or while working. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. That was something I was thinking about recently that I had read about. I think that's an excellent idea. Um, is there anything else you would like to touch on in regards to inclusion and diversity? Um, I think we hit on most of my major points. Um, at this point, I don't have anything additional. Okay. Well, Jonathan, it was really great talking to you. This was great conversation. Um, I wish we could have done this in person. <laughs> I know it'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, instead of over teams, I know I'm ready to like see people again in person. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, really, I really do appreciate the conversation, though. I think this was great. Um, I think there's still, like you said, a lot of education that still needs to happen and progress. Um, especially in regards to black history as well. So um, thank you. Thank you for yeah, the open absolutely. and honest feedback. This was great. Um, to those of you out there listening, uh, our company looks forward to hosting more conversations uh, with employees and agents around inclusion and diversity. So if you're interested in having a conversation with us, um, please reach out to anyone on the council. And Jonathan, again, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate your time.